Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, June 12th. This is episode 169. Nice. It kind of works. Well, it, 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 it's just 69 with a cameraman. Mm. Uh, don't 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 remind me about cameras and podcasts oh my gosh oh my gosh the the listeners do not know we have been discussing the the drain the spiral down the drain that is the pinball show and its attempts to go video next thing you know it's going to be candid camera you're not going to know about it zach's going to sneak a camera into your room and then you just but it's you're the next one you're going to be like no video but the, you'll just see this weird like three quartering image from behind from a corner that's all grainy and looks like like 1980s CIA <laughs> spy camera footage those, of you sitting those paranormal there paranormal activity movies yeah 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 exactly <laughs> i never could get through those <laughs> well but what we can get through are our intros tony yes. what have you been doing what's been going on well it has been an interesting uh uh couple of weeks um when it comes to like free time which occasionally exists uh i've been working on the hard space shipbreaker story mode since that game is now in full release and no longer early access uh i've also been uh once again taking care of myself in a healthy way you know eating less exercising more uh, which has become a lot easier because my daughter uh, my eldest daughter is doing a summertime cross-country conditioning mm. uh, thing that the high school's holding because she's going into high school because I'm old. Um, and so I'll go and take her to wherever they're conditioning because they, they're they you know in parks and whatever. Then, then they just go and they spend an hour or so running. And because I like to get wherever we need to be at least 20 minutes early, we'll get there early and I'll take off and I will start walking uh, with the goal of being done shortly before they're supposed to be done. So Saturday morning, we went to this park that I've never been to uh, here, real close to my house, only only like five or ten minutes away from my house. And it's this beautiful park out in the out in the middle of nowhere, uh, a great wide paved uh, concrete path. Everything's cool. And so I'm like, I start walking. I'm like that 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 that, and I'm walking down the thing, and I walk not very far, and then there's a little like mile marker, and it says a mile eleven and a half. Because we're coming from the back side of the park, right? Instead right. of the front, and I'm like, I'm like, well, I know the walks I've been taking during the week. I'm normally doing between about two and a half, two and three quarters of a mile. I'm just, I'll just, I'm just going to push a mile and a half out, mile and a half back, three miles, no big deal. And I've got plenty of time. They should be getting done about the time I get back from my three miles. See, the problem is, is my walking paths at home and at work that I use are all in like um flat terrain oh yes so i'm hiking i'm walking i'm like yeah da, 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 da. it's all great and i hit the mile and a half marker that i'm so i'm a mile and a half in i'm at the 10 mile marker and i'm like okay i'll turn around here and as i'm coming up to this marker i hear all this slamming on the ground behind me and like the first band of the cross-country runners the, all, all, all like the senior and junior boys run past me it's like okay cool I turn around, I start walking back, and here come a few more boys, and then here comes the first big group of girls, here comes a few more girls, here comes here comes my daughter and her little group of friends, and and a few more people stragglers here and there, and I'm walking back, I'm like, da, 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 this isn't going to be bad, I should get back just before them, no big deal, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I hit a point, and I kind of come around a corner, and I'm, I'm walking, and I'm tired, and it's hot, and it's humid, and I'm like, do, 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 do. <laughs> and I kind of look up because I'm just kind of looking down. I'm listening. I'm, I'm I'm listening. I've got my earpiece in, and I'm listening to 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 uh, uh, Jack Ryan and the Clear and Present Dangerous because you know audiobooks are the best thing to listen to when you walk. They did really help you get a rhythm. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 have, I have experience very similar with podcasts yes. like, so, uh, no we're putting on disco classics and, and, now and, 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 and that's and that's what i ended up doing but i'm walking i'm like oh my god i just suddenly feel like I, i'm dying and i kind of i'm just still moving forward always stretching forward and i look up and i look up and i look up and i realize i'm looking up i didn't notice it when i walked out but there's like a half mile segment of just enough of a grade that it was amazing when I walked out. But coming back at the end of the walk, my fat butt is dying. 
mm-hmm. as I'm going up it. And yeah, I, it's like I killed the audiobook. I kicked on my pinball tournament music mix because I needed I you needed need the energy. I the needed the energy. Ball. I need the high BPMs and everything. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, also I hear and all these people start passing me. I'm like, oh my god, I got like a mile left to go. And my daughter comes up beside me and she's talking to me, and I'm just like. I'll see you when I get back. And she takes off, and all these people are blowing past me, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like full on wheezing, sweat pouring off my body, just barely able to breathe. And I come around a corner. Uh, another corner and there's a bridge and there's a couple guys sitting there and they're they're big guys like me and I'm just sweat streaming I'm just gasping for breath as I'm just walking I'm just keeping a steady pace I come around the corner they just both look at me and they go you went too far didn't you I'm like you went too far I just kept going because I didn't I knew if I stopped moving they'd have to send an ambulance because I'd be dead Mm. so I just keep I just keep going and I go around and I'm like, uh, and then I'm there. There's, 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 there's the 11 and a half mile marker. <laughs> it's another quarter mile to the head, trailhead. And I just kept going and I just kept going. And I just kept going. And here's all these kids. They're sitting in the shade and they're eating donuts and drinking water. And I'm just like dying walking. And my daughter walks over to me. She's got like this water bottle. She's got her, her water bottle. And then like a regular, like plastic water bottle that she'd gotten. And she's like, are you okay, dad? I just like stole her big water (laughs) bottle, opened it up, drained half of it. It's spilling all over me. I'm like, go talk with your friends. And I went to, and I went and I popped open the back of our, of our minivan because I've got a a folding rocking chair that I take to all the track meets and everything. Mm. That's what I set in. So I'm going to pull that out, set it down in the shade and chill for a minute. We'd taken another vehicle the last time we'd gone to a thing. And it was in the trunk uh, of my wife's car. So I open it up and there's nothing there. And I'm just looking and I'm just like, <laughs> so Dennis had to beep that. But <laughs> so I just, I just laid down in the back of the minivan <laughs> with the thing open and the windows open and the breeze coming through, gasping for breath. And eventually my daughter comes over and she's like, we can go home now. And I took her water and I drained the rest of her water out. I'm like, okay. and i drove us home and i sit down and i was in massive amounts of pain and then my wife's like let's go look at cars okay so then i walked around car lots wow so you've had quite an adventure it was super special (laughs) yes i don't have i don't have nearly as interesting i i have been trying to exercise more too though because i've been putting on too much weight over the winter, which is not unusual, but I hadn't dropped it. I'm going to blame some earlier in the year steroid use, which I'm just so hungry when I was on those. And now that I'm off, I'm not. So, you know, doing caloric counting and stuff. I went out walking yesterday too. And I thought I'm going to go pick up strips chicken. Oh yeah. But I'll, I'll go take mill Creek to Northgate, cut down to Santa Fe. Oh, the long round. Yes. Cause otherwise Walking down for then who would know me walking down and back to strips is I a couple of miles, I guess uh, it takes me. It takes me 20 minutes to get to strips walking and I walk at about 10 to 15 minutes is a mile for me. Yeah. So that's about it's like two, two and a half miles round trip. I don't know what this route was. It might have been five, five <laughs> to six, but it was so hot and I never carry water when I walk. Right. I don't. Uh, because it's just another th- chunky thing. Yeah. So right around when I was getting close to Santa Fe, I'm like, I am dehydrated. And then I know I am when I'm on Santa Fe because I'm looking in the front of every building to see if there's a pop machine <laughs> or a water machine or a puddle. No. <laughs> No, maybe if I cut across the street, I could have drank from the fountain, one of the fountains over by yeah. the post office or right. something. But I was like, no, that's going to add distance. <laughs> I don't want distance. So when I finally got to strips, I they're like, do you want to drink? Yes. And I just stay by the fountain. <laughs> so going, it was very, I was just like, oh my gosh. And then I got back and I was just like, I need to eat my chicken, but I'm almost nauseous from right. all the walking because I'm so hot and tired. Yeah. It, in uh, more pleasant news, um, gaming doesn't blow my legs out. Much easier to do. Uh, so, well, I mean, 
It depends. There's it does. Game, there, there, yeah, there's I, I'm not playing any of my Kinect stuff, though. Okay. So, so uh, as I mentioned on the last show, I had started a platformer called Celeste. Mm-hmm. I stalled out on it. So I've put that down. Because you're too old for perhaps, platformers. Perhaps never to be picking up. Picking up. Perhaps never to be picked up again. Picking up. Uh, so I moved on. You're too old for platformers. Too old to too begin old. the I'm platformers. Too old. So I moved on to a game called Another Sight, which has, I don't, it's not a great game. It's sort of a puzzle platformer. The platforming isn't very difficult. The puzzles, by and large, aren't very difficult. There were a few that seemed a little nebulous to me, but most of it's just traversal. Uh, you, you have, you have a uh, your sight's damaged early on in the sh- in the game, and there's a cat with you, and you have to alternate between controlling the cat and controlling the girl mm-hmm. to be able to figure stuff out. So I did. I won that. So got through that, and then I I. Played a little bit of some walking simulator called Gone Home yesterday. Uh, and I've messed around just in a few other things. So I haven't really decided what I'm going to move on to from another site. Uh, and I've been putting in some more pinball time, mostly on Godzilla, unsurprisingly, because uh, yeah. it's my newest game. and But also Walking Dead, because uh, Walking Dead has a lot shorter ball time than Godzilla does. <laughs> so when I need a, a lesson in humility, it's a good one to turn to. And that reminded me, all of this, writing all this up for today... I never talked about the Hydra shirt that we have in our in our <laughs> Teespring store, Tony. I never brought it up on this show. I think I brought it up on the pinball show, but I never brought it up here. So there's a link in this. I mean, we always have a link in our episode notes, in right. our show notes at the end uh, to the Teespring store. But in the episode links, I have a link to this shirt so people can look at it. But this was inspired, loosely inspired uh, you know, it's like based on a true story. This is loosely inspired by the whiteboard at Deep Root regarding the Gladiator game. And so the front of the shirt has a a rising graph line that says rising action. And at the top of it is a Hydra because you need a game to build up to a Hydra. And then the back of the shirt has one of my favorite sets of quotes from the whiteboard, which is first round is easy. Second round is hard, you know. Really complicated sort of stuff. Super. That, that <laughs> so, next level. So, if people are interested, breaking. people are interested in, I think, because this is a tri blend, I think this ranges from small to 2XL, I think is all. They don't have very many size options, but but it is available. So let's go to the pinball segment. Pinball so segment. far, this has been eclectic running, walking podcast. Well, walking, let's be fair. We weren't. Yeah. I don't. I was telling myself, running is a great way to destroy your knees, no matter what size you are. So walking Walking's is a walk- great way to destroy your knees when you're my size. Well. Actually, my problem isn't my knees. It's my ankle. It's your ankle. That's why you've got them special shoe things. Correct. They're called arches. And I have an ankle br- brace coming, too. Mm. Because I did Fancy. a big, I had to do a big, long walk-related thing. I was giving a tour the other day at work. In my in my eight inch steel toed boots, and my ankle didn't hurt at all afterwards. After walking several miles, I oh, was like, "Because it's holding it right." Nice. I was like, "I need ankle support." And hmm. that's when that's when I find found out they don't make high top shoes anymore. They fell out of I as a as a high schooler. I didn't and middle well mostly middle school because that's when I I tried them on for like basketball, and I never liked like they felt weird to me. Yeah, so I guess they felt weird to a lot of people. Yeah. But you know what doesn't feel weird to people, Tony? Pinball. I mean, it could feel a little weird. No. 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 So, we had an email. Actually, I had several emails. But we had one email regarding pinball that I wanted to bring up. Okay. So, Sean L. wrote in to us. You may not have heard about this, Tony, but there was a big world championship IFPA tournament thing. And there has been a ton of discussion because Keith Elwin, the GOAT, Greatest of all time, seen not only now as a champion pinball designer, but for a long time a champion pinball player. He conceded in the final game of his final round on his final ball on Dialed In when he was behind by about, I believe, 800,000 points against Escher Lefkoff. He walked up and just plunged and conceded the game instead of attempting to win. And so there's been a bunch of like pin side discussion. Other podcasts have been talking about this because for a lot of people, it was the first time they ever can think of that they saw in a high level tournament, someone who had a chance to win actually just give up. And so this is what that email is about. I just want to give you some context. So Sean writes, 
I see this as such a non-story that I debated even sending this email. But after hearing so much debate on TPN, the Pinball Network, and other podcasts, I want to chime in. I have played in many national championships in Canada in my sport, curling, which I thought you would appreciate, Tony. I like curling. It's the best part of the Winter Olympics. Many may laugh at the sport, but it is in the Olympics. It's the best part of the Olympics. And conceding is a normal part of the game. You look at your odds of making a comeback, and if you feel you likely won't win the game, you concede, shake hands, and move on. Happens all the time, and even in championship games. No disrespect, nothing more than an internal calculation. What Keith did in my eyes is a non-issue, and I expect he just thought his comeback chances were low and conceded. You will likely see more and more of this happen as the sport grows. So I just wanted to get your thoughts. Thank you, Sean, by the way, for writing in the email. What, what are your thoughts on the idea of someone conceding, conceding in pinball? I'm amazed this is a thing people are talking about. It seems like absolutely nothing to me. I've conceded in pinball. I've conceded in tournaments around here. Have you? Yeah. See, I, I I never have, but I've, I've had my spirit broken so bad that I know I haven't tried hard anymore. No, I've, I, I have full-on had games where, like, on I'm going into ball three that there was no way they got. They're so much above the best score I've ever had, mm. especially in busy tournaments and stuff. It's like, no, we're just, there's no reason. There's no reason to waste everybody's time. And I've, I mean, I've conceded and I've had other people concede to me in other, in wargaming tournaments in the past. The only times that it's not really a thing is if you're in one of the tournaments where you're the final score of each match can have an effect even if you're the loser if the points are taken i've played tournaments where your points uh uh, totals that you earn from playing count even if you're on the loser side it can it it can still help is the only times i've seen people not concede when it was obvious that it's like there's no reason we're just stretching it out it's like if you're at a point where it's like it's going to take 15 minutes 15 20 minutes to finish out this game but there is zero way I can actually win it. All I can do is stretch it out. It's a waste of everybody's time. It's a waste of the tournament creator's time. It's a waste of the time of everybody there. So I'm totally fine with it. I've had people concede to me. I've conceded to other people. I, I, I'm amazed this is even a consideration as anything other than just a normal thing. Yeah, it, it's it been... An, I mean, my, my stance was similar. It was, you know, while I... I don't, I've never actually conceded in pinball, but I've wanted to before. And I've never thought that there was a reason why I couldn't do it. Main reason, usually like in local tournaments, why I don't is my logic is often I paid money. I'm going to play all three of my balls just to get my money's worth out of the machine sort of thing. But yeah, there've been plenty of times where I still remember the time I played against uh, Phil C in one of our local tournaments and it was on party zone and he had ramped out for over 10 minutes and I was going to have to do it for like 15 minutes yeah. just to catch him. And I was like, I don't even have the accuracy to pull that off, even with that easy ramp. <laughs> and there's I mean, just no way. I mean, and I've I've honestly considered conceding after ball one. Mm. I've never conceded all after ball one, but I've seriously considered it because I've played games against people where they have double or sometimes triple the best score I've ever had on a machine on ball one. And it's like, there's whatever. I, yeah. There, this isn't realistic. Right. It's, you know, it's interesting. I mean, and it, and it obviously scenarios are scenarios and everyone needs to cross their number. I, I never would have thought it wouldn't be, uh, you know, respectful that there's something disrespectful yeah. about conceding. And no one had claimed that he, w- I mean, he did it in a very, like he went and shook his opponent's hand or what, or whatnot, you know, as my understanding, I didn't go back and watch the clip, but um, you know, it just depends. I mean, I had a game, uh, a, a Bram Stoker's Dracula against, uh, Steve and Steve H, one of our top area players. And I mean, he like doubled my score. I still played that one out really, really hard because I had also already hit my best score ever. And even though I knew I couldn't beat him, I wanted to see how good I could do on the machine. Right. So, but all that said, I've had instances like when we still had Rob Zombie on location where I wanted to concede before even playing. Right. That's and, just it's now. Some of that was well, yeah, and some of that was I felt that the only way to get a game out of a lineup in a pay-to-play location is to not put money in it. Right. So interesting. It, it's just it's interesting. So so because obviously I've not 
been following this because this is the first I've ever heard of it. But the fact that somebody might think it is disrespectful, this is disrespectful, but I've seen plenty of tournaments where they're playing and they're right at the end and the guy's trying to catch up and he drains and he gets mad and he slams the machine to the side or he throws the machine to the side one way or another or he hits the machine and walks away and that's not disrespectful? Well, I that didn't come up in the discussion. I think most people would agree that there's some sportsmanship stuff. Yeah, but I mean, to, to me, this is, separate. Just, this is just, I mean, something like this is just going, yeah, no, no, you win, good job. I can't possibly catch up. Let's get going. Mm-hmm. It okay. just seems it, it seems the exact opposite of disrespectful to me. Most people seem to agree. Well, that means most people are smart. But it it got conversation going, which maybe was good. I don't know. <laughs> uh, speaking of good, uh, this may not be good if you're fans of these games, or it may be good if you're fans of other games that you're hoping will actually get built. Stern Pinball has apparently informed their distribution network that Guardians of the Galaxy and Led Zeppelin are both getting a final run and then they are done producing them. I was surprised to find out they were still making Guardians. I'm not. I'm surprised they're ending Led Zeppelin already. That's how bad that game is. <laughs> I I am not surprised they're ending Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I, <laughs> given what I've seen, given how it's been for given in our own area, the price cuts I've seen on Led Zeppelin games in yeah. a desperate attempt to move them. Yeah. I am not yeah, in any way surprised. I was just surprised. Guardians came out such a long time ago. It is a good game. Yeah, that's the thing, is it is an excellent once game. Once the once the rules got there, um, it became a very, very good game. I was just I was I was shocked to find out they were still building them. So uh, anyway, I, technically, I mean, obviously they haven't put out a run in a while, is my understanding. So they're going to do one more on each of those, and then they'll they'll put they'll put a little stock back and then shut yeah, down the I line. Mean, given given how far behind Stern is on production, I think it makes sense to focus on fewer machines. And when you're technically got a library of like twenty plus, when you consider the flavors like mm-hmm. premium and pro uh, of games in in your queue. It's just that's a lot of custom parts that you need. So I, you know, flushing some of this stuff out makes a lot of sense to me. Wouldn't surprise me honestly if they're still selling more Guardians than Led Zeppelins. No, that would not either. I think, and in fact, I think if you were to call distributors and they were going to be honest with what their final order counts are between the two, I bet you all of them have more for Guardians than they do Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Uh, Moving to the other, another, not the other, but another pinball company, Jersey Jack Pinball. We've talked about them quite a bit this year as we all anxiously await Toy Story's release. And they have a Facebook post up uh, announcing that their next game will be revealed very soon. The rest of that post just provides information on how to best position yourself to get a collector's edition. Bend over, spread your cheeks. Oh, wait, no. Bend over, pucker up to somebody else's spread cheeks. Mm. You know, I didn't watch the video on how to do it because... If I were to get the upcoming Jersey Jack game, it wouldn't be a collector's edition. I don't buy the LEs. Or, well, in their version, the LE of the LE. Because they do the, the LE. CE? That's the CE. The steps to get the CE. The CE is the LE of JJP. Now, they do have an LE, and it is limited also, but they like limited at 5,000 and thus never actually sell yeah. out. So, I don't know. It's weird. And then, and then like, the, the, the SE, there's, yeah. Well... There are there rumors. Are it's not for Rumor Corner. I'll share it here. There are rumors that there will not be an SE version of Toy Story. It will only be two models. Now, I don't know if they're dropping the LE limit outright, and it's now basically the standard, or if they're still going to say, you can get up to 5,000 LE Toy Stories and 500 CE Toy Stories. I don't know yet. I'm going to guess that. I'm going to say uh, that. Would, uh, that would make sense. At 5,000. I mean, I've heard speculation that guardians has passed forth out or guardians i'm so apologize <laughs> guns and roses i've heard reports that they believe that guns and roses has probably passed the four thousand unit threshold on the le's but remember guns and roses dropped the se run like after four or six weeks or something yeah they didn't run very many because it was not, not popular yeah <laughs> it was not popular because it didn't look like a stage show like the other right did. <laughs> that's my theory Speaking of theories, well, actually, this is not a theory. We've known about this for a while, but HomePin. I've got a theory. We haven't talked about HomePin in, I think, a few months, Tony. Uh, HomePin is... because nobody cares. And they probably don't care about this part, but we still have to talk about it because I put it in the show notes. So HomePin has shared a photo, a single photo of This Is Spinal Tap Pinball. 
Now, as I recall, Homepin had originally been speculating that these games were going to already be shipping. I want to think that they had originally guessed. I'm calling it a guess because it was wrong now. Uh, I thought May, um, but now it's got, you know, a new estimated release date. But uh, I do have a link to uh, Nap Arcade's coverage of this because he does have the photo on it on his page. So you can go and take a look at it. But Tony, I've embedded it into our internal notes. And yes, this is the quality of the photo i I'm sorry. This is, it's not a great photo. It's, it's, I've had some, I, some I'm people, sorry. It's just, I understand. Do you, do I, you understand? I understand that this is Spinal Tap is some sort of cult classic hit, whatever. I don't, I, I Have guess. you ever seen it? Yes. I saw it once. I don't I've, remember. I've it. seen it once. When, when it falls into the kind of cult classic movies for me, um, it is nowhere near the top to me, like not even flirting with the top. I can think of a lot of other movies that are considered cult classics right, that I would right. like a lot better. But uh, sure, why not? The big thing, I, the first thing that I caught is that Homepin's little logo design is such garbage. Their logo design is so garbage. <laughs> Just... Homepin, Homepin Taiwan Company Limited, and it is a cutout of a pinball machine inside of a house. Every home needs a pinball. Every pinball needs a. Oh wait, that was deep root. Yeah, look how well that worked for them. Look, they they had a number of issues. Does Taiwan um, have an SEC? Is this, are we waiting for filing? <laughs> I mean, remember back when well, you maybe you don't remember back with Thunderbirds, they weren't in Taiwan. They were mainland. They've moved. They moved to Taiwan. I don't know what you're talking about. Taiwan is a part of China. Mm. I, I I saw it on the news just the other day. It, it is 100% a part of China, and anything that can happen can happen. It's fine. Okay. That's a good point. <laughs> we, don't want a, we don't want a war. Um, what, was, what was the thing? I had a description. So I heard somebody. It's like, it's like. <laughs> never mind i'm not gonna get into it but i just uh i couldn't even say it with a straight face sorry <laughs> well anyway there has been some attempts online from the few people who care about this title to analyze the play field uh the biggest analogy though it's definitely debated is some people think that this towards the back in particular looks like the getaway but without the hyper loop the turbo the turbo turbocharger supercharger whatever it's called i kind of get it from why, where the pop why, bumpers are i get where they're coming from why, but why, why does the ramp look like it's made out of pop can well maybe it was i mean they did have that plastic water bottle ramp originally on thunderbirds until they went and, and uh, replaced that with a much higher quality metal ramp uh, and on the light on the side is that exposed wiring just like Looks like it's zip tied to the side of the machine. I think that's actually a, a double necked guitar. No, 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 no. Behind and to the left of that. Oh, oh, um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Like maybe they've got it in some tubing, black tubing to better match the. I don't know. I don't know. You know, the thing that that confuses me, and this was in the initial announcement, so I, I understood it was going to be there, but why does this have a. A screen in the back, like Jersey Jack, but then below that, it's got a standard single color DMD. Like, why does it have both? Why does it have an LCD and a DMD? Why would you do that? Because it lets them charge more for the four machines they're going to sell. I guess I don't. Anyway, I don't know. I, speculation. It's so they don't have to. They're not going to do a bunch of fancy animation on the LCD. So they're going to use the DMD a lot. But I, you know, I don't know. I don't care, quite frankly. But the people may. So we've covered it. Congratulations, people who like Spinal Tap. I apologize that I'm not as big of a fan of Spinal Tap as you are. Now, next is something I think is far more interesting, though uh, I don't think it's going to be built. And that is John Norris, who is the designer best known for his time with Premiere, has released a street level layout called Champs Elise. Uh, again, I've linked to Let Nap Arcade so people can go and look at the layout, but it's very, very detailed. So... Uh, and when I say street level, I mean it like this is truly a street level by design. John Norris has done it in the street level philosophy, low bill of materials, 
off-the-shelf assembly parts to make it. He describes what sort of cabinet it would fit in. And he's got uh, the full bill of materials already put together on it. He's got a rule set laid out. I believe it's kind of inspired by like a Tour de France sort of race is is the theme. Um, and so he's got a few descriptions about how this is going to be. You just follow some color coding. You can stack features. Uh, and then the layout, again, true street level philosophy about easy maintenance, easy cleaning. And it's just a flowy, fast layout, uh, as he describes it. And when I look at it, I think this looks really cool. Now, that being said, we have to declare my biases. I have owned two street level games in the past. I've never actually owned one designed by John Norris, though. But, oh, and incidentally, there was a a discussion on the pinball show where, you know, my co-host Zach decided to argue that fan layouts were any game with two flippers. Which doesn't make any like why would we not just call that two flipper layouts if that was true? It's not true. It's 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 a bad argument. This layout, a two flipper layout, is not a fan layout. And you can see that it's not a fan layout. Just an interesting Was he drunk? No, you know how he is. It okay. just happened. It happens. You know, gotta be contrarian. I'm reaching I'm reading the feature gram here. Mm-hmm. Low, bio, low bill of materials, three-level playfield, uses off-the-shelf assemblies, fits into a 20.25-inch by 45-inch cabinet, GDD with full rule set, BOM Excel file included, 2D CAD drawings. Uh, has he just released this for people to get the information and build it themselves? The And I need to go back and check it, but he basically put it all together so that Yes. He described it as this would be, a, in his view, a good design for a startup pinball company to, to do if you wanted to start a pinball company. Because honestly, this is kind of awesome. That thought. I don't care about the startup pinball company, but for somebody who has an interest in doing a homebrew, but doesn't really have a lot of the skills or stuff. A kit like this mm. that is just the plans and everything. So you have to put together what you need and build a machine without before having to do all the testing and the cardboard and stuff. Put it together yourself would be a good like training wheels type thing. It'd be a lot like, you know, when they give you know, like, like those simple woodworking kits for people who are wanting to learn carpentry. It's like, oh, hey, here's a little project. We tell you everything you need. We give you the exact plans and ta- and you to learn the skills necessary to do the... I think this is genius. Unless it is something that's locked behind only, oh, somebody has to... It's only for a major company. But if it's something that's being set up and released, as even if, even if, even if it's just being charged a little bit, even for the plans and the code and everything... I think it's great as just like a kit starter thing. I really kind of like this idea quite a lot. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not entirely sure like in terms of the software and and for the rules. That would be the big part. I mean, obviously, well, you it can, says he has rules. Yeah, no, he does. I just but like I don't know what GDD means, so I don't know if that's a software. Like, what does it run on? Is it designed for a particular board, or has he come up with the rules, but they still need to be programmed to work on a circuit board? Right. See what I'm. Right, which would also be decent for someone as a starter mm-hmm. interest thing. Interest. I'm going to look farther into this because this is mm-hmm. the first I've heard of this, and I think this is any. This is. I think it looks nice. I think it looks cool. I think the idea. If I'm, I'm probably overthinking it, but I think it sounds like an amazing idea, and I really like the mm-hmm. the concept. And I gotta say, you know, he does have a mini jump ramp, though. I'm still gonna call this. Uh, I'm still gonna stick with street levels always being single level because it is just a, a little. It's jump. just a little it's jump a, ramp. It's cool though because then it accesses uh, yeah. the orbit. Anyway, I do recommend people li- go go follow the link to Nap Arcade and look at the layout because yeah. it's so. This is what I always liked about not just street levels but single levels in general. There's a lot of I is think that- really creative layout choices that you make because you're not busy trying to feed a bunch of ramps to move the ball around back to the flipper. So you just get a lot of, and and with street levels in particular, the six games that Gottlieb Premier did, you got some really, really unique layouts. I mean, the most pedestrian of them was Silver Slugger. Oh, it's got and, an up post. And are those little roundels 
in the loop in the upper left in each of the inlanes, are those those are those I think they're star the, rollovers. Those are star rollovers? Or, or an equivalent, I think. My so. God, this thing is beautiful. I like this concept. It looks fun. Uh just the layout itself looks fun. And you know, I mean, I, I do still have my hoops uh street level. I sold Silver Slugger because I didn't uh the rules weren't very good. I miss that layout though. That as I is that a ball lock on the right with a drop post to hold the balls as you build it up? Is that what I I'm think, seeing? I think so. On both sides? There's a ball lock on yeah, both sides? Yes, there is. There's a ball lock on the yes, on the left and the right. Which is a clever way to, I mean, it's a, that's really clever to not that use a, a kick-out saucer. Or, and, and, and drops, and I got to, I'm kind of impressed. I'm going to look deeper into this. This, yeah, you know, uh, this I, thing, I, the kit I, thing is an idea I hadn't I hadn't thought about. I I had argued before the pandemic that I I had speculated. I I actually think so even more now. If a company would be willing to do a true street level and actually offer it for less money than the quote unquote full featured games, I think there's a market for it as popular as pinball has gotten is and as, as expensive as used games have gotten. But regardless, uh, it's a really cool. I, it makes me, gosh, it makes me wish I was able to find like a car hop or something, other street levels I never have had an opportunity to play or much time on like title fight just because they're so weird. Um, and this reminds me of that. I mean, there's just not, you look at it, you can look and individually you immediately go, there's nothing like this. But then you realize all of the parts are really pedestrian, just spinners and pops and drops and stuff you could order from Marco. Anyway, I just thought it was a cool thing to bring up. No, I... I'm glad you brought it up. This is the, honestly, this is the thing in this whole thing that we, everything we've talked about so far, this is the thing I'm most excited in. This is conceptually interesting as heck to me. And it looks amazing. And I remain, and I, yeah, okay. So I, I know he was with Deep Root, but I, I don't understand why other pinball companies established pinball companies don't look to bringing on John Norris for some designs. And maybe this helps that, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe showing, you know what, he does have some really interesting, unique ideas. Um, I, I think this is far more interesting than the Merlin arcade stuff. I initially saw, which I think still kind of looked very eight ball deluxe ish. And he had, I believe he did bad girls, which, which was sort of that, but mirrored uh, this though. It's this sort of weird stuff that I think is really neat. So anyway, uh, our final thing is the hit segment, more popular than pinball market trends, more popular than pinball itself, Rumor Corner. Corners. Now we got to put in the, in the corner. No, we got, that, we got that song. We have to drop in the song. So this rumor corner rumor is about Dennis Nordman. So I am receiving rumors, Tony, that his upcoming game at American Pinball is a, and I'm going to air quote this, weird theme. What do we mean by weird theme? Well, what the rumors are telling me is that it's an unguessable theme, that no one would ever predict that this is the theme. So to me, that tells me, though, it's not an original theme. Uh, it might not be a license per se. It might be it might be an unlicensed con- like how Houdini was, or it's a licensed theme that people think nobody can figure out. So, what do you think here? Because all right, obviously, I don't. I've not heard any rumors of what the theme is because the theme is unguessable yes. <laughs> according to the rumor. So, but you know what? This is Eclectic Gamers podcast, and we don't let the unguessable stop us. That's why would we? With the track record of Rumor Corner, why would we ever allow that to happen? So I want to know what you think, given this, if this rumor is true, and this is a weird, unguessable theme, what do you think the theme is? I think it's No Country for Old Men. Striptease. (laughs) They could probably even get the call outs because, you know, it's not like anybody from that movie has a career anymore. Well, I was going to say Josh Brolin will do anything for money. That's why I went with No Country for Old Men. (laughs) 
Like, he's busy doing Thanos and Cable. He'll do this. He'll do this. He's willing. He's willing. And it was a, a great, a great movie. It's several years old now and way outdated and a weird choice for pinball. But, you know, so it was just one of the little cattle stun things. Yeah, no, it's totally. It- yeah. Let's do a little cattle thing. Oh, no. With striptease. That would make more sense to me if it was Stern and they still had leftover stripper mechs from their Sopranos game. Yeah. Then that I, was, that was. I could really see that. I could really see that. that I'm thinking they could have a they could have the sex in the pool scene where she's like up on his neck. It's like that's not how anatomy works. But hey, but hey, it's striptease. Accuracy wasn't a highlight. So are you not rumor-tained, Tony? I'm rumor-tained. All right. It could be like, no, because that would be more guessable than that. Yeah. I was thinking like, like, like. That's the hard part. Like, like, it has to be unguessable. Right. Something. Like Ishtar. Like or- Girls Frontline, because Genshin Impact's too too popular mm. right now. Mm. Or or some other weird mobile game. Battleborn. Battleborn. <laughs> Lawbreakers. <laughs> Azure Lynn. <laughs> what I die? Can't, can't be Volcano. Too guessable. Dante's Peak. Oh, <laughs> oh this is oh, fun. Oh, wow. That'd be... That'd be... See, the thing is, is Dante's Peak wasn't terrible. I liked it. I really liked I, I Dante's liked Peak. But it doesn't have Tommy Lee Jones like using his, his uh, fugitive skills against lava. <laughs> It could be <laughs> and volcanologist Ann vul- Hesh. <laughs> Don't forget about Ann Hesh. The world has forgotten about Ann Hesh. <laughs> oh, I still, whenever I hear her name, I always think of that Harrison Ford movie with her Six Days and Seven Nights, where she goes oh. pirates as an arg. <laughs> <laughs> that one with Six Days and Seven Nights. Witness. Oh, the, one, the Amish one? The Amish one. Oh. oh, no, that would be a cool... You, The kid's marble toy could be the contraption yeah. for a pinball. That See, would be pretty that cool. That almost sells it alone, yeah. just that one mech. That would be pretty awesome. Well, as awesome as all this is, we probably do need to get into video games. So, uh, we did have a couple of emails involving video games, Tony. One is from uh, Blueberry Johnson, the key source for most of the information coming out of Deep Root at this point. He wrote in mostly to mention he's willing to clarify some things regarding Deep Root after our last episode, which I'm assuming means I got several things wrong. But we've moved on from that and didn't cover Deep Root in this episode. What he wanted to know on the video game front, Tony, is if you had tried Wazhack. Not yet. Okay. Well, that solves that. Sorry. Well, we had another email. It's in my thing, but I've not. I've not. I've, I've between between driver's ed, cross country camps. Uh, bunches of issues at work. Uh, I've just—he didn't ask for your excuses. I, 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 I've I've had extremely limited. To, I've I've not spent a lot of time playing anything. So okay. what I've played has been shipbreaker. Well, uh, Chris Chandler also wrote in, and this is one you and I have uh, corresponded. And by corresponded, I mean we sent like there were some memes, or at least I shared some memes. Yeah, no, we, uh, we, he wrote we in this one. He wrote in. Wondering, sure though, that we would have our thoughts on Diablo Immortal and its and its monetization approach. And in the show notes, I have included a link that Chris did email us, which was regarding a player, I believe in New Zealand, who spent thousands of dollars. I believe it calculated to being a, a bit over four thousand U.S. dollars as an experiment. And in that, he did not get any five-star legendary gems, which would be the primary goal people would be spending money on. Yeah. For those. The latest thing I've seen is the current estimate is to get enough is over $100,000. I saw similar. I, In terms of my thoughts, I think Diablo Immortal just continues the unmitigated disaster that is Activision Blizzard. <laughs> my, favorite me me- my favorite meme <laughs> of the couple I sent Tony was the one from the guy when they announced Immortal, um, D- Diablo Immortal and the crowd at BlizzCon reacted so negatively And he, when he said, what, d- what, don't you guys have phones? As the meme says, what, don't you guys have wallets? Yeah, no, it's, I, 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 am, I, I, I am positive that I am on record as being extremely anti uh, 
uh, pay to win type stuff. I, I, I dislike it horribly. And the fact that this isn't even pay to win because even if you pay, you can't do that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it seems it's poorly balanced from even a whale perspective. Yeah, it is so poorly balanced. The game can't be released in certain countries because of their gambling laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I will. I'll just flat out say, don't play Diablo Immortal. It doesn't matter how much you like. I'll be honest. At this point, I don't have much Blizzard stuff left. I've gotten rid of. I haven't played any of it in a while. I've I, I've I've uninstalled all of it to make room for other stuff. Mm. But it's. Uh, because I I've even I've even uninstalled Overwatch. I've not played it in two years, so uh, I I don't know. Well, in two more years, Overwatch Two might be two years out. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll see. <sighs> but, you want to talk about a game that is toxic as crap? Man alive, Overwatch has gotten bad. I saw some. Actually, I watched a video yesterday or the day before about. It's called the. It's a death of the game series. And he did Overwatch, Overwatch 1 specifically, because he feels that by and large, it's, well, it does still have a, a significant player base. It's not really supported anymore. And the toxicity was a big part of that. It was a big part of the discussion. And he had some theories as to why Overwatch kind of, sort of in a way, helped foster a toxic environment because of the approach they took to gameplay. It was, it was an, anyway, it's interesting because the the analysis focused a lot on the game coming out and being very much positioned as a casual shooter, but then a decision fairly early on to make it into a competitive shooter. But it's also not just a shooter because it's a very ability driven game, but it's a game that was clearly designed with you within mind, you going in with five friends and what happens when you start doing pickup games in a game that requires extensive teamwork to properly play. Yeah. Which is why I don't play with, uh, audio on yeah it's my daughter quit playing because she just could not handle Mm. the toxic environment yep and that anyway so that was his analysis was that was that's the problem if the game didn't require so much teamwork there would be less toxicity because people get really upset when their team sucks and it's real easy and i still i usually will hop in just for events and play for event skins for overwatch 2 because i'm assuming they'll transfer them over maybe not and, uh, you know, I still get totally garbage teams and I'm just like, I play so little now that I don't get as frustrated as I used to. And I, I can more often now shrug and go, well, our team just sucks. Like they don't understand that you play an objective and they're going off trying to deathmatch. And it's just, that's not what Overwatch is. I mean, there's a mode for that. It's a bad mode, but you can do it if you want to play Widowmaker. Yeah. But, but you know what? Those aren't the only games that are really struggling. No, are they, Tony? They're not. They're not. Not I just it's not just Activision Blizzard. EA I'm, has troubles. It does. We had a, a, a. I don't have a whole lot in video games today because I saw we had a lot of a pinball stuff. Uh, but I thought it was interesting because we've been talking a lot lately about Battlefield 2042. Yes, I had a huge update to download, and I hear there's another one coming. Yes, as they try to fix what they destroyed with the first update because they released their season one, and. Uh, then it turns out that a lot of players are getting a load persistence data error uh, uh, and can't log into the game. That reminds me of back at, at launch. They had uh, load issues. Yeah. That I, I ran. I mean, I experienced it. I, I bought this game when it came out. I don't play it anymore. I still have it installed because I tell myself, you might you play like it. Battlefield, don't you, Dennis? You have phones and wallets, you have don't wallets, you? Don't you? Oh, well, the, the, uh, there's a death of a game on this also already. It uh, doesn't surprise me because it's pretty much a dead game. They did it uh, uh, like they figured out a way to get a lot of the people loaded in uh, by setting it up. So you can no longer get uh, on unlocks from progression. Mm. It will track your progression so that when they fix it, you'll get all the unlocks uh, you missed, but nobody can get unlocks. Okay. And then they thought they had a fix, so they installed the fix. And then the load errors were worse than they were before. So they had to roll it back Uh, because even less people uh, could get on after the fix than could before it. (laughs) Poor, poor Poor, Dyson EA. Yeah. I I mean, I I can't really say poor EA. It's, It's 
they brought it on themselves. But it has definitely uh, taken a dead game and just finished it. I mean, I mean, I was hearing the persistent player count was already awful. It's terrible. And it's going to be terrible in the, in the death of a game on battlefield 2042. And I don't remember when he, uh, when he finished recording it, I think it was several months ago, but at that time on steam, at least the concurrent players for battlefield four were higher. That's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Cause that game is like almost 10 years old. Yeah. (laughs) It's a, so it's just really bad. That's, that's, (laughs) that's scary. The, uh, uh, and I didn't have it in the notes here, but I, I did see on the Call of Duty Warzone, mm. they're rolling out Call of Duty Warzone 2.0, the new version of Call of Duty Warstone. Or Warzone, not Warstone. That'd be weird. <laughs> it's Call of Duty, but it's medieval combat. Yeah. We, we took the assets from Hearthstone and we just dropped in. <laughs> we just dropped in. <laughs> Soldiers with cool mustaches and, <laughs> and got, automatic weapons. You've got slings and rocks and bows and arrows. <laughs> uh, but there, uh, it's been such a change that they're not allowing any unlocks, items, purchased items, progression, or anything from Warzone mm, to, the to go to go to Warzone 2.0. So it's going to be treated as a completely new, completely separate, free to play game. Mm. So any money you've dumped into Warzone is uh, in Warzone. And when Warzone 2 comes out, you'll have to spend money again. Yay. Yay. I don't know. I, 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 I haven't played Warzone. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I've not, I tried one Battle Royale game and I was like, eh, I get it, but not really my thing. Everything. I, I watched some people play Battle Royales, but it really seems like the only time the Battle Royale games are fun is when you're playing in like trios mm. with people. Yeah, with that you know and you're with that seems more interesting like the teamwork that overwatch wanted teamwork yeah yeah exactly um also because of the summer game fest yep saw uh, some of that i watched the devolver one yeah live they came out they dropped a lot of they they dropped a lot of stuff i didn't really put anything in here because everything they talked i don't think they talked about anything new i think everything was just updates to stuff it was like they just tried to do some sort of almost loosely organized trailer event is what it felt. It's like. basically what it seemed like, but, uh, because no E3. Correct. But the, e- but ESA came out to be sure to tell us, no, that E3 will be back next year in person and online. Whoa. They wanted to be sure that we know that it's coming. Uh, so sure. Whatever. I don't think anybody cares anymore. I think E3 is when it comes back, I think they're, in e- in the ESA's mind, when it comes back, it's going to be this huge return. It's going to be like Mike Tyson returning to the ring or Foreman returning to the ring. It's going to be this big, huge event. And I think it's going to be nobody cares because mm. it's been supplanted by everything else. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I remember back when it was struggling back before the pandemic and our conversation. So I won't I won't repeat them, although a number of our current listeners may not have heard those, but. I, I've always struggled with, to me, the problem with the ESA and E3 was there's so many other ways to get the message out. This is a digital product. So it's not like, I mean, an example again, and I won't belabor it because I know the listeners don't, don't want to hear it, but in watches, you know, another hobby that, that I'm involved with. That it was a big deal to have their real events, in-person events return. But that's because the journalists that cover that stuff want to actually handle the products. They can't virtually. Right. Through a screen, all they see are a bunch of renders. It tells you it lets you know what a watch looks like, but it doesn't let you feel its weight or how it wears or anything like that. Video games, the journalists can get copies ahead, embargoed copies, and play them. They've done it for years. So why would you need to push out all your information in one big journalist week where the booths are super expensive. That's always been my other issue is I think ESA charges way too much for what they, mm-hmm. for what they provide. And I always thought they could survive and probably still be a big journalistic sort of hub for a lot of video game news, but they just, they, they can't, they can't NRA it 
and just like be on yachts and all, yeah, you no. know, and blow through millions of dollars because they're charging a fortune for people to build booths. Yeah. Because is, everyone just rented space nearby and, and held their own events. Yeah. Other than like Microsoft was the only one who was still giving them any money. Like everyone, you know, EA separate event, Nintendo separate event, Sony separate event. Yeah. It's like, and they're all by and large, they were all like, well, we're in the same city. It, the e the way ESA has handled E3 feels to me a lot like Sears. Mm. Sears was in the position they should have been the leader on online shopping. They literally already had the warehouses. They had everything because they were kind of catalog models. Yeah, yeah, they for, had for hundreds they for were 100 plus years. Closest to the model. They they were closest to the model. They all they needed to do was pivot to the, to online and instead they failed utterly. With what they should have been the kings of, they should. I mean, Amazon should never have existed. Sears should have been so big that when that, that, that when Amazon started building up, they just got bought out. But Sears couldn't pivot. It's the same way. I don't think ESA can pivot to the realities of our modern uh, interconnectivity and the modern online process in a way that makes it matter. They're still stuck in the old days. Yeah, I. And I don't, I don't have a good idea on like, I think one of the things they thought about doing as an attempt to pivot was, all right, it's not going to be so journalistically focused and we're going to open this up to the public. And and so instead of it being a trade show, it's almost like demo fest every year. Right. That might work if you're not charging a fortune for the companies to be there also. Right. Like I could see them being like, we're going to organize like a PAX. Right. And, but it's going to be a bunch of new video game demos and we'll make deals with these companies, but you can't charge them a fortune. You're going to make your money on the tickets then. Right. You, you don't get to have it both ways where you're bleeding your vendors dry and you're asking for a whole lot of money. And then of course you're still saying you're a journalist group. And then the journalists were all mad because of all the cues and stuff. So then you have like these fast pass systems for the journalists, which upset the regular attendees who paid some pretty big money to be there. I mean, they like picked all the worst options. And in fact, I'll even say that they're, they will be back next year. Almost sounds like a worse option also because it sounds like clearly hybrid person in person and online. Obviously, there's always been recordings and stuff. Obviously. So I'm not quite sure what that exactly means, but I can tell you from my own conference planning, I do not do hybrid versions because it's the most work. And you don't gain enough. No, I, there's always demand. There's always people like I can't make it. I want to have. A, I wanted to be online. I'm like I can give you online only, super easy. I cannot run an in-person event and coordinate it to be completely online either. Right. I mean both. That's just it's a nightmare logistically. It makes you no money. It costs a fortune, um, and you either really hamper the online experience or or you spend a ton trying to cover everything in both ways. And then who comes to the in-person if you can consume everything online? So if they're trying to make money on ticket sales, but they're doing everything online. Most people aren't going to go there to st unless you really want to play the demos. Who's going to go there and stand in line when I can just watch all the presentations from the comfort of my couch, which, which is, is what, what I was doing. Yeah. Which so is what I, most people want. So yeah, again, and if that's the model, then it sounds like you need to rely more on charging the vendors, but the vendors aren't really getting anything out of it anymore. As you noted, because they have completely different ways that they can engage the audience. They don't need the middleman that is right. ESA. And they don't need to share the limelight with all no. the other companies. No. Who wants to... Do you really want to be there, be Ubisoft and lose E3 again? Yeah. Because that's the narratives people like us always do is who won E3? We always have to ask that question because there's always a winner. Who won the event? Who shocked us? Who's the winner? Who gave us the best game? Or... Who, who put out the new piece of hardware, which always beats all the games? You know, it, it's like, why why do it? Who did the super secret announcement that nobody thought was going to come out and then came out and then they won? And yeah, yeah, no, it, no, it's, it's, yeah, I, I think, I think they're, maybe they won't be done. Maybe some shadow, maybe E2.5 lives on. I don't know. They'll be what they are, but they are definitely not what it was. Yeah. I don't, I don't envy their leadership that must be trying to figure out a way to, to survive because they're not in a good position to be relevant is the problem. Right. If they were something else, this isn't like when we had our discussions, when replay effects ended Pinberg in their instance, because it was so unique and there was so much demand for what they were doing. I, in my view, saw a path 
a clear path of survival that could have worked for them. They just didn't walk that path. In right. this case, I don't see the path at all. It doesn't. It, yeah, when you've lost almost everybody, what's I don't know. I don't see how you bring it back. I don't. Yeah, what's I, it matter at that point? Yeah, I don't. What's it worth? I I just I don't know. I don't know enough about them as an organization and what they bring to bring to the table for what members or however they're structured. I don't know their structure. I don't care. They're. I think they're dead. I think they're I done. I think you're right. Uh, the only other thing I have also, I, I hadn't included in my notes, but it's just a reminder, uh, Games Done Quick starts the 25th, I believe, or oh. the 26th. So it's either the day the day before or the day we record our next episode. Okay. Because uh, huh. it well, runs that week right into the be- beginning of July. Okay. Well, so, I have a work conference, so I'm going to miss half of it, but... I have, oh, well. yeah, I'm in so much, I, yeah, I've got training, like full day training classes, mm-hmm. like constantly. But our podcast will be planning to be back in a couple of weeks. So if you want to reach out to us in between now and then, you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com or go to facebook.com slash Podcast and shoot us a message through that messenger tool. We're available on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram as eclectic underscore gamers. And that's it. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye.